Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, AFC North Preview Edition. Yes, we're back after a week off. We've had a chance to collect our thoughts after the great 4th of July weekend, and we're back with more information for you. My name is Hakun Wong. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is Senior Staff Writer Ryan Whitfield. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? How'd you enjoy your 4th of July weekend? Uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the 4th of July. I got a little travel in, spent some time with the family. It was, uh, it was a nice long weekend for sure. Yeah, you know, I have to say that this is the first year that I missed the fireworks everywhere I went. Like, I literally, I've seen fireworks every 4th of July going back to when I was 5 and missed it this year. I'm so disappointed. Did you see fireworks this time around? Um, we did. Our first attempt, we went to um, Connecticut, actually, to Mystic. And uh, they got rained out that night, but then we uh, we caught them the next night back home. So we uh, we were able to find one at least. So we made it work. <laughs> right. Well, you did better than I did. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. Although it is a little bit slow right now, it's slow all across sports, uh, as you know. The even baseball is taking a break. Are you uh, are you a fan of the home run derby, Ryan? Um, it's one of the few all-star events outside of the the three v three NHL all-star format that I do still enjoy. It's uh, right, right. a little bit spoiled. Being uh, being 28, you know, my my peak year was when I was uh, 11 years old, and you had the McGuire uh, Sosa uh, Bond uh, Festival at Fenway Park uh, back in the height of the steroid era, which they <laughs> go back to. But, uh, yeah, but so it's all tainted after that. But I still do enjoy it. You know, they're on pace this year to totally destroy the old uh, record for a season for a number of home runs in a season. It was like 5,000. 600 something. This year we're on pace for over 6,000 home runs. So who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe they just found a way. I heard there's a lot of uppercut swings. This should be a fun home run derby to hold us over. But hey, we're here for football. So let's, uh, let's turn it on. Let's go. All right. So there's a bunch of things that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to start with Rashad Jennings, who some of you may know uh, was on Dancing with the Stars recently and won that uh, competition. Yeah, that's how I feel about it as well. So tell me, Ryan, do you watch, did you watch Dancing with the Stars this year with Rashad Jennings? No, I, uh, I did not. But um, Rashad Jennings uh, has uh, teased me and uh, screwed me over in fantasy football about <laughs> three years in a row. So he can, right. uh, he can pound sand for all I care. Yeah, but David Ross was in there. I mean, come on. He, how could you not like David Ross? I mean, he was a, recently a Cub, but, hey, he was also a, a Red Sox, right? He was. He was on that uh, that, that uh, horseshoe-up-the-butt 2013 Sox team. So uh, <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy David Ross. Yeah. All right. Well, so Rashad Jennings obviously has had very little play uh, since then. He's done nothing but been on TV. He's won that competition. Now he's back to looking for another team. Now he's had a, a little bit of a rough go of it. I mean, he's been the starting running back per se um, for the New York Giants for basically two and a half years. He's never broken a thousand yards, but he did have a decent year in 2015 where he did total 1,159 total yards from scrimmage, including yards receiving. Um, he doesn't look to be the number one guy anywhere, but what are your thoughts about Rashad Jennings and his potential for landing someplace this offseason? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign him if I was anybody. He's a bum. He can't stay healthy. He underproduces. 
can't hold on to the ball. I have uh, I have about zero use for uh, Rashard Jennings. So um, I'm not I'm not signing him. And to this point, looks like most GMs agree with me. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. But I, I do think there is some potential for him being kind of a passing down guy. Uh, you want to take pressure off of your um, of your starter a little bit. I mean, he did have. He did support. I mean, he didn't do a lot of things well last year, but he did support an 83.3% catch percentage last year, receiving the ball out of the backfield on uh, on uh, 42 targets. So he he's not totally toast, um, but I, I don't think he's going to be a starter anywhere. Any thoughts on on where he might? What you think he might end up with? Maybe, maybe like a a second guy. I mean, I don't know if they they need anybody like this, but maybe a second guy um, on a team like for instance, the, uh, the Steelers or something like that? Um, he could have a use there. I mean, maybe maybe you throw him into the the big uh, the veteran bowl of crap out in uh, Seattle, see if he sticks. Um, you know, I would uh, – even a place like Oakland would make sense to me. I know – and trust me, I, I've been a Marshawn Lynch fan before the rest of you uh, all caught on to how cool he was um, in Seattle <laughs> back in his Buffalo days when he was doing uh, – that glorious main event, uh, the Kenny Main segment uh, where he's in Buffalo taking him out to uh, Dave and Buster's. But this idea that, that at 31 you can come back after a year off and still, and still be the guy that, that you once were, um, you know, I think a lot of people fall in love with the name out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Marshawn, especially out of the gate, is slow. So maybe, maybe throw him into the, into the pile out there in Oakland. But, you know, he's, he's the epitome of a, of a guy you throw in late at veteran minimum. Um, into a into a camp, and if you get lucky, um, then great. But I, I'm not banking on anything out of that. Yeah, right. Right, I agree. And I think in Oakland they have Jalen Richard, and they also have Dwayne Washington. So he'll be he'll be interesting if they throw him in there. He'll just be part of the morass of backup backup running backs. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And you're right. Uh, checking out those situations, like the ones with uh, veterans who might not have anything left in the tank. Another one that comes to mind is Eddie Lacy. He might not have anything left in the tank. So who knows what's going to happen out there in Seattle, although they have a lot of other options as well. So let's go ahead and, and move on to the next guy that I want to talk about, and that's Dion Lewis uh, over at the Patriots. And, you know, he was kind of a breakout guy two years ago, but due to injury, he hasn't really done much since. And now they've signed a ton of people. So, you know, they have uh, they have Gillisley there, they have Rex Burkhead there, and they actually extended James White to 2020, I believe. So is it time to... Cut Dion Lewis. Is that completely? Uh, is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. I think. I think if anybody out of that group does get cut, I mean, I think there's a chance they're going to be. Uh, there's going to be a five five guys in the backfield. Um, you know, the Patriots have that that rare uh, situation where they really value special teams guys. Um, you routinely see the Patriots keep six receivers, and um, you know, most people forget that that Matthew Slater is one of those six because he never goes out on offense. And on um, and out of the backfield, you know, obviously you talked about the, the three guys with Deion Lewis for there, um, but the fifth guy, Brandon Bolden, um, might be the second best uh, special team guy in, in the league, um, if you ask me, right behind Matthew Slater, and they're both on the Patriots. I think he brings a tremendous amount of value. He's, he's routinely in there uh, blocking punts and kicks. Um, and he's great on the on the kick return team and in a blocking role and on the on the cover team. So um, I don't think you move on from Brandon Bolden because I think he brings too much other stuff and there's a lot of redundancy at that position. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love Dion Lewis. Um, outside of Gillisley, who it's, it's a toss up, but I mean um, we'll see what Gillisley looks like this year. But I think from a pure talent um, and, and 
skill perspective, Dion is the best back they have. Um, but the guy can't stay healthy. Uh, he's never been healthy in the NFL. Dave once said at uh, in college, absolutely ran him into the ground and uh, probably right. ruined his career for him, um, how much they leaned on him in pit. And um, so he's just never been in the same sense, and he's a small kid. Um, you know, last year took forever to get going coming off that, you know, that setback he had after the injury in um, 2015. And then, right. you know, you forget about it. At the end of regulation, the Super Bowl, um, they ran that trick play to him, and he, and he looked like he, he uh, hyperextended his knee there. I thought he tore it again. Um, on a, just a, on, he just planted his leg and spun, and uh, the Patriots' trick play there at the end um, got stopped because he couldn't move anymore, and he rolled out of balance and was attended to there. So um, you, know, you can't bank on the guy being healthy. The unfort- I think it was more likely he would have been traded had that injury not happened in the Super Bowl. I think there's right. too many GMs out there aware. So maybe you know if it comes down to roster decision, he could get beat out and cut. Um, but I think it'd be unlikely to be traded because I don't think he has a lot of value right now because he has to see a full season of health before uh, anyone's willing to willing to deal anything of real value for him. Yeah, he's never played all 16 games in the last two years. Only played 14 total games. Uh, he still is averaging approximately four and a half yards per carry over the last two years, but his uh, his average per reception has dropped in half from 10.8 to 5.5. I agree. I think there are some issues and there's some injury risk as well. I don't know. Um, I think it makes sense for the Patriots to move on from him. They have plenty of other running backs to choose from. So let's move on to our next topic because this is one you introduced, and this is actually, you know, old uh, players. Because, you know, in the NFL, clearly it's a young man's game. You get over age 30, people start to get a little bit worried. You get over age 35, and people are like, right? I mean, it's basically like, what are we going to do now? These guys can hardly play. You go up to 37, 38, 39, and 40 years old, and what the heck are they doing on the field? But that's what we're seeing a lot with quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, including such quarterbacks as Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, and others. And uh, you pointed out an article which talked about a lot of this. And um, tell me, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so the the article um, I'm I'm spacing on the on the writer's name here, but uh, I know he's done yeah, some work on football yeah, outsiders. Yeah, yeah, CFA, I think his name is. Yep. This this is a this is a dual case of uh, trying too hard and stats are for bleeping losers. Um, I, I am I think as far as there's a lot of patriot honks out there, and rightfully so. Um, if you remember the five rings in the last 16 years. Um, <laughs> right. But, so I think even myself, I'm susceptible to being a patriot honk a little bit, right? But I've been on this show multiple times over the last couple years, um, saying. That I'm not the person that thinks that Brady is going to play at an elite level level until 45 or 46 years old. Um, I do, like I said, my ideal situation is that the Patriots win the Super Bowl this year. Brady finally decides to hang it up, and we don't have to worry about you know the pain of cutting him, and we get to we get to move on to Jimmy G. Um, so I, I'm not this Brady's God and can do no wrong type person. But but the stat that that was really highlighted in this article, it it might be the most asinine, irritating. And, and just mind-blowing stat I've ever heard of. Passes that could have been intercepted. That is the dumbest, most moronic thing I have ever heard as a qualifying stat before. I'm going to start judging baseball, play, uh, baseball pitching. I'm going to create a new baseball pitching stat that's pitches that could have been swung and missed at. Like, that's the dumbest thing ever. They weren't intercepted. I don't care if they could have been. They weren't. I don't know how you look at a guy – do that comeback and come back and find, make up a stat about passes that could have been picked 
to sit there and disqualify him. I'm sorry. I, I don't care what you say about his arm strength and, 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 his, and the, the dangerous balls he threw. The comeback route on the outside on the left to Malcolm Mitchell late in that game and, and the, the pass where they were, I think it was like third and ten uh, on the drive to tie it, deep in their own zone, have to have it moment. And Brady, while being pressured off his back foot, throws a dart on an out route for about 15 yards to Chris, uh, to Chris Hogan on the sideline. You look at those passes, and, and, and you're going to come out with passes that could have been intercepted as your defense for why Bray White, there's clearly a decline for Brady here. And then in the article goes on to cite people like Eli Manning, who hasn't been good in three seasons, and Drew Brees, who hasn't had a winning record in three seasons. And, and that's what you're going to start comparing it to. Come on, man. Unbelievable. What a horse crap of an article. Talk about needing to find something to write about in July. Yeah, well, so tell us how you really feel about that, Ryan. Uh, so anyway, so let me let me ask you this question. So let's, I, I I can tell that you have confidence in Drew Brees. I'm sorry, Tom Brady. Drew Brees, jeez, Tom Brady. But let's talk about the worryometer here. Ten being super worried, zero being not worried at all for the 2017 season. Um, let's. I'm going to ask you each of those four quarterbacks. What's your worryometer score for Tom Brady? Uh, I'd put it at five. I put him okay. in the middle. Um, okay. I don't think he's on the decline, but uh, quarterbacks at that age, it happens overnight. Brett Favre takes the Vikings to the NFC Championship on an amazing right. season, and the next year he couldn't get out of week six. So, I mean, the, the cliff is coming someday. Um, so, right. you know, you always have to be, have to be cautious um, about, about your optimism with him. What about Drew Brees? <sighs> Drew Brees, I'd put a seven. Um, I think – I don't think he's been particularly great. I think he's, he's still put up good stats, um, but he hasn't been, you know, winning games, and they don't have a great defense, but they never had a great defense, and that, that used to still result in 10-6, and 11-5 seasons. So um, I think his best years are clearly behind him, and I think it's shown on the field. Yep, and then uh, Philip Rivers? I, I'll, go, I'll go with six on Rivers. I, I know – He's, he's been wildly inconsistent, but I think he's been wildly inconsistent most of his career. So um, I think he's roughly still the same quarterback he's always been, um, and he has good games and bad games, but I still think he's, he's good enough to get his team to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to brace myself. But, uh, let's talk about Eli Manning. Ten. <laughs> wow, ten. So basically, you think he's just going to combust on the field this year? He hasn't, he hasn't been good in a couple years. I, I – and maybe it's the allure of them beating us twice in the Super Bowl, but every year I bite in on this on this Giants team. I mean, I overdrafted Sterling Shepard in almost every single fantasy draft last year because I said, oh, my God, you have a secondary weapon to put next to Odell for the first time in his career um, because, you know, what Victor Cruz had been. I'm like, oh, you know, this guy, this is, this is the year. And Eli Manning was still subpar last year. I just don't think yep. he's good anymore. Um, so I just – I put it at a ten. Well, I mean, past the ten. I, I don't. I don't think I'm worried about the, the edge coming for him. I think it's. I think it's come. It's gone. He's at the bottom, looking up. Well, he's got a lot of weapons this year. So if he can't make it happen, then he may be at that eleven already. All right, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and ring the bell on this segment of the show. Let's move on to the next segment, which is our preview of the AFC North. So what I want to do is start with the Baltimore Ravens going into the 2017 season. In 2016, they ended up 8-8 in the AFC North. They really didn't go anywhere. They had some real issues on offense. They did add a little bit in their draft in cornerback Marlon Humphrey, linebacker Tyus Bowser, and defensive tackle 
Chris Wormley. So they're clearly working on building up their defense. But their offense has been a problem, and they've now lost out, uh, tackle Ricky Wagner, one of their, one of their big tackles, uh, one of the, the solid guys in their, in their line. And, of course, they're still saddled with Joe Flacco, who is going to be the biggest salary cap hit in all of football at $24.5 million in 2017. So what do you think about the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think they're still a middling team, but the law of averages say that every once every like you know three or four years they pop. Um, they've obviously had a couple of bad years in a row here, um, and I have a lot of respect for that franchise too. And I, I think John Harbaugh is the second best coach in the NFL um, currently, and I just I feel like they have to put it together at some point. Um, my big hesitation is is that I think that that defense you know, has been good the last couple of years. Not not elite like it's been in the past, but I think they've been good enough, and C.J. Mosley is an absolute beast. Um, and so that's not the side of the ball I would have invested in. The fact that they did invest in that side of the ball tells me Ozzy uh, Newsom, who's been around, you know, um, for two Super Bowl championships. He's been uh, been around for, you know, for the Browns before that. He's been around for, you know, a long time, right? Um, so he's a smart guy, and I think he's one of the smarter execs in the NFL, the fact that he looked at the roster and kind of came to the conclusion that they uh, they need to have, you know, an elite defense uh, means that he no longer believes in Joe Flacco. If he believed in Flacco at all, he would, he would be investing more in the weapons there. Um, but the fact that they tried to really load up on defense says to me that they think the only way they can win is by having a dominant defense, which means um, whatever they're seeing on the all-22s is that Flacco's not, not the guy he once was, and I think... I think Flacco can be a bit monotone and can be, uh, you know, can have tendencies to be a bum sometimes. But I still, I don't know, I still want to put him in at, you know, at the lower end of the top ten. But I still want to put him in top ten in the NFL quarterbacks. Um, you know, we've we've seen what he can do in the playoffs. We've seen what the high end can be. So maybe I fall in love with that too much. But um, you know, I I, I want to say ten and six for the Ravens. Um, but I, I think they sneak out one more win than last year and have a nine and seven season. Yeah, I, I think they're kind of a middling team as well. I don't have a lot of faith in them actually getting much better. I think Flacco has been checking down like nobody's business uh, last year. He had a, a, a career low 6.4 uh, yards per completion, and, and that's because all that was checked down to Dennis Pitta. And quite frankly, they had the eighth best, uh, eighth best offensive line in the NFL, so that's no real excuse aside from the fact they don't have any weapons. And I think you're right. They don't believe in Flacco anymore, but they are saddled with him until at least 2019. Let's move on to the next team in the AFC North, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Last year ended a disappointing 6-9-1, third in the AFC North in, in, the, uh, in the draft. Interestingly, took John Ross, the wide receiver, speedy wide receiver in round one, and then went to defensive end Jordan Willis in, the, in round three. They took Joe Mixon, the running back, uh, at round two, uh, the questionable off-field issues, and they got Kevin Minter, the linebacker, in free agency. They uh, did. Lo- they did lose the aforementioned Rex Burkhead to the Patriots, and they met- they lost two significant members of the offensive line in tackle Andrew Whitworth and uh, guard Kevin Zietler, probably one of the best top guards in football uh, when he went to Cleveland. Uh, I'm not sure what to expect there, but there's uh, there's not much happening, and AJ Green is really the the best they have, and that's squandering his years away. What do you think about the Cincinnati Bengals in 2017? Yeah, I, I'm going middling, uh, eight and eight with them. Um, you know, I'm not impressed with their off season. 
uh, Joe Mixon having, uh, as you put it, some off uh, off field issues uh, was was about the nicest way you could have phrased that. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm not buying in on on the Bengals bounce back here. And you know, at the end of the day, they have a really big issue, which is their best two players are Andy Dalton, who craps his pants in big games, and AJ Green, who is, in my opinion, one of the softest receivers um, in the NFL. He's He's great when he's out ahead. When he's having a three-touchdown game, he can really put it on you. Um, but he's not, you know, he's not the guy that's going to go out there and fight for every yard and fight for every inch. Um, so I don't, I don't believe he in the big games uh, comes through. You know, uh, often if you watch their big games, you know, all the the years of the, they talk about how bad Andy Dalton is on Thursday night football or any primetime game, and you have to talk about Thursday night football because they don't get other primetime games. But um, go, go watch, go watch uh, AJ Green in those games because. Uh, it's, he's, he's hard to find, so you'll have to really look for him. Um, and then the defense, you know, it can work yep. for a couple years, but, I mean, eventually once you have you have a bunch of bad guys in one spot, it's like the, the 49ers a couple years ago. Eventually the, the inmates run the asylum, and when you invest in Pac-Man Jones and you invest in uh, Vontez Perfect um, and, and guys of that nature, and now you add Joe Mixon to the crowd, um, God, what a, what a nice group of guys they got there in Cincy, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, I have to say this though. It has been working on their defensive line with Vontae Perfect. I, although, you know, say what you want about his off-field issues and his attitude, but he has been a pretty good performer for the defensive line with Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, and Vinny Ray. The problem I see uh, from a football perspective is that their cornerbacks are just pretty dreadful. They got Drake Kirkpatrick, Dark has Denard there right now. They really. We were first-round selections in 12 and 14, and they really haven't earned it. Uh, it's a little bit of a mess there. And when and when Andrew Whitworth left the team to go to the Rams, he actually quoted he actually was quoted saying, "I really wanted to be away from Cincinnati's situation. I think that's a problem. Cincinnati is not a football team anymore. It's a situation, and players just don't want to be there. And I think a lot of it is that in locker room uh, type of uh, atmosphere." It's built by these types of people like uh, Vontae Perfect and Joe Mixon and so on, as you mentioned. Uh, but they just don't have any direction right now, and they're wasting away A.J. Green, one of the best, arguably one of the best wide receivers uh, in football. Uh, did you uh, have any thoughts on what their record would be in 2017? Yeah, they'll be 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a top-down thing. It's a horrible ownership group um, that doesn't care about anything other than getting one playoff game at home so they can cash in. Uh, on the playoff seats, they can't fill the stadium. It is a situation. It is. It is the equivalent of uh, the you know the NFL's uh, dumpster. Yep, I agree. All right, let's move on to the next team, and that's the Cleveland Browns. The woeful Browns ended one and fifteen last year. They did do a lot to shore up their offense and defense. They did pick up uh, center J.C. Treader on free agency, and the aforementioned Kevin Zietler, one of the best guards in football. They drafted Miles Garrett, defensive end, Jabril Peppers, uh, and they also managed to draft David DeJuku, a tight end, that was a lot of upside, and they picked up Kenny Britton free agency, whether that's good or not, who knows. But they managed to lose Andrew Hawkins. They lost Josh McCown, not a big deal there. They lost Tremont Williams, someone they picked up and had high hopes for only two years ago. They lost Terrell Pryor, took a step forward, and others. I don't know. I mean, they only have a set quarterback right now. It could be Deshaun Kaiser. It could be it could be Cody Kessler. What are your thoughts about the Cleveland Browns in 2017? You know, I, I might have to start applying over at ESPN because the the trick of a hot sports take at ESPN is that you uh, 
you just keep making the same prediction year after year after year after year. And uh, if you do the rain dance of, uh, long enough, eventually it's going to rain, right? So I'm going to buy in on the Cleveland Browns again. I'm going to buy right. in again. I like their offseason again. I, uh, I want to believe. I want them to be relevant. I think they have one of the, the, one of the greatest uniforms in the NFL. Um, you know, they once were a historic franchise. I love the Miles Garrett pick. I love the Jabril, Prep, uh, Jabril, Jabril Peppers pick. Um, you know, I think Kaiser's got as good a shot as any of them, uh, except for uh, your your uh, your boys' uh, pick there um, out of the quarterbacks to uh, to do some, uh, you know, to have maybe a good season. Yep. Hugh Jackson is supposed to be the uh, the QB whisperer, so let's see it. Um, and so, and I think Corey Coleman takes a step forward this year. Um, and uh, you know, so I'm buying in. I you know, I just uh, I want to believe, and you know. You got Miles Garrett, you got Peppers, um, you got Jamie Collins, Joe Hayden. I mean, I don't know, at some of the most important positions, um, you have a pretty good, uh, you know, on, on defense, you have you have a good setup. So I, I, I want to believe, and I'm, I'm choosing to believe. With that said, uh, believing for me is them uh, going 5-11 uh, and 11 this year. Yeah, I think that's probably that's about the right direction. Yeah, right, exactly. But they're improving, and they definitely – Worked finally on improving. I mean, really taking advantage of that strong offensive line, improving it. Uh, they've improved their defense. Uh, they've given a couple options out there on offense. They're giving some room for the for the uh, running backs to be able to do some damage. Uh, they could do something, and I think five uh, five wins sounds uh, about reasonable. Let's talk about the last team in the AFC North, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last year, eleven and five, ended up first in the AFC North. Lots of discussion about whether. Ben Roethlisberger was going to retire or not, and obviously he is not going to do that. They do have some significant additions, though. They managed to uh, they managed to draft wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, and they took outside linebacker T.J. Watt, that's right, J.J. Watt's brother in the first round, and they also picked up running back James Conner in the third round. So there's a lot of things there that they picked up. They're not waiting for uh, the, the, the rest of their uh, wide receiving core to catch up to Antonio Brown. They, they're, they're taking a shot with some other people. What do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, uh, the class of the AFC North um, will probably be the second, at worst, third best team in the AFC. Um, I still think the Texans could surpass them, but um, that defense is on the rise. You know, Shabazz Napier, um, not Shabazz Napier, wow, um, Jesus, why am I forgetting the linebacker's name there? Uh, Bud Dupree or Cameron Hayward? Not Bud Dupree. Uh, Shazier, Jesus, Ryan Shazier. Um, Ryan Shazier, Bud Dupree. Okay. Yeah. We got uh, our, our favorite alum over there, Stephon Tuitt. Um, yeah. You know, Artie Burns. So they have a lot of good pieces on that on that, on the defense, and I think they finally start to kind of hit their, um, their stride as far as their age uh, coming along. And, and the name I'm just going to keep saying – um, you know, again, Marshawn Lynch comes back and everyone's all excited after a year off, but people are forgetting about Martavis Bryant, man. He is, he is electric. And so as long as uh, him and Le'Veon can uh, not influence each other, hopefully it helps that LeGarrette's not going to be there to smoke him up um, and they can stay on the field. Um, Martavis Bryant could be one of the more, more dangerous guys in the NFL at the receiving position this year. And I think he gives them that one-two punch that they missed with Antonio Brown last year. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, provides a good the playoff and uh, they don't go go back to reverting the way that the Steelers always have a playing zone defense against the Patriots um, and against Brady specifically. You know, they could give a real push to get to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, they really need some corners and a good safety help. I mean, I know you don't like Artie Burns, uh, their second-year corner, but he's going to have to take a step forward if they want to actually do something on defense. And, of course, their second-year safety, Sean Davis, 
he really has to take a step up as well. I'm not 100% sure that I trust that, but I think the offense is going to be just fine, particularly with Le'Veon Bell there. Uh, they're going to be just trucking along as they always do on offense. I, I just worry that they're going to have to be able to stop the ball. All right. So that brings us to the end of our AFC preview. Uh, let me just ask you one last question before we sign off on that. You got a prediction for their record in 2017? Yeah, I'm going to go 11-5 and five just because you can pencil Big Ben in um, for missing a game or two or three every season. And there's something like 1-11 in the last 12 games they've played without him at, at starting quarterback. Um, so I think that'll that'll come back again. So I am I am around 11-5. And I just want to clarify, I do not hate or dislike Artie Burns. They, okay. just, oh, they, just okay. reached, they just reached for him when there were better cornerbacks still out there uh, in the draft. You know, if they'd taken him as in the second, you know, uh, you know, when, when the other guys were gone, and even if they'd taken him as, like, their second corner in that draft, I would have liked the pick. I just thought yeah. they'd reach for him. But I think he could be, a, you know, a middling number one corner on, on, a, on a good team. Right. So he's going to be the best option they have, at least, if nothing else. All right, let's ring the bell on that. We are done with another week of the podcast. So, Ryan, give us your Instagram and your Twitter account so they can follow you. Yeah, hey, uh, you know, uh, a technical difficult, technical difficulty-free uh, podcast here. So uh, we're rounding in the preseason four here. I know. Yeah, we're just getting time. ready for the season finally. Uh, yeah, uh, Instagram is uh, football underscore garbage underscore time, and my Twitter is at Ryan Whitfield NE. All right, and follow me at FB Garbage Time. Until next week, enjoy your NFL week, and we'll be previewing more football for 2017 in a short period. Take care. Oh, and enjoy the home run derby. Absolutely. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.